Do you know any normal people that we can talk to? No one springs to mind. Welcome back to Quaid in Full, the podcast with all the fox to give about actor Dennis Quaid. I'm Sarah D. Bunting, and I'm here, as always, with my co-host, Zydeco cop, Jeb Lund. Hello, Jeb. Please step away from the washboard. <laughs> and joining us today from a constabulary in the central time zone is returning guest and wig cop, Tara Ariano. Welcome back, Tara. Fuck you, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, today, at long last, we have arrived uh, through many twists and turns at the season finale, as they used to say on the WB, of season four of Quaid in Full, something to talk about, uh, the Julia Roberts vehicle from 1995. Before we get into plot summaries and contemporary reviews, does anyone have any pod business? I am going to assume that, like me, Jeb still has not gotten more than 40-ish seconds into the Denissance, but I could be wrong. Jeb, any updates? I don't want to be hasty. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> Tara already served her time in that regard and has been paroled. Tara, any pod business from you as a returning guest? I mean, I looked to see if there had been any more episodes of the show. I, I wasn't going to listen to them, but I just was curious if he had done any more since the last time I listened to the Denissance and the, the Dr. Fauci episode from last fall is still the last episode maybe ever. So perhaps he has also cut off this experiment. <laughs> uh, he ended the pandemic. What more do you want from this? <laughs> <laughs> I What I would like, frankly, is for... Jenny Garth and Tori Spelling to take note <laughs> of this quit while you're behind strategy and perhaps adopt it for themselves. But we shall see. Without further ado, then, shall we get into the plot summary of something to talk about, which has nothing to do with the song, apparently. Grace Bichon. Julia Roberts finds out her husband Eddie, Dennis Quaid, is cheating on her. After a be-nightgown showdown outside a pub that gets their entire small town talking, Grace takes her and Eddie's Moppet and bunks with her central casting spitfire sister, Emma Ray, Kira Sedgwick, questioning the foundations on which she's built her life, a journey that involves scandalizing a ladies' auxiliary meeting, ripping old scabs off her parents' marriage, an abortive romance with Brett Cullen, Ipecac humor and a question mark. And letting her daughter graduate from pony to horse in a quote climactic show jumping sequence that even I, confirmed emerita horse teenager, found interminable. <laughs> Directed by What's Eating Gilbert Grapes Lassa Hallstrom, and written by Thelma and Louise's Callie Corey, something to talk about spends most of its runtime turning away from the beautiful bleakness that made both the other projects go trying to convince us a rueful chuckle take on King Lear via Robert Duvall's Wiley isn't tiresome, and pretending Roberts and Quaid have chemistry via a Quaid performance that isn't exactly bad, but nevertheless registers mostly as Quaid trying not to wet himself in a role that requires him to cuck America's sweetheart, but we will get to him later. <laughs> Tara, let's begin with you. I assume that you have seen this movie prior to preparing for this podcast. Is this a favorite of yours? Did you just want to return to it and see what it was 
like later on? What is your relationship with this movie? Yeah, I've seen this movie many times. It's a it's a cable, basic cable staple. I don't disagree with <laughs> your editorializing, but I still like it. <laughs> Fair enough. Jeb, had you had any contact with this one before we prepped this? No, this was, uh, you know, this, this kind of wound up, I think, falling into the around college pit of not paying attention to as many movies. And I think mm. this probably had a, this is not for me written on it in the, uh, when I saw the trailer and, uh, uh, I was right then. And I, I was, I was not thrilled with it. I was expecting something more than like men or dogs, but what are you going to do? Yeah. I mean, it's weird. Like there are really a lot of things wrong with it and I'm going to list them all, but I also liked it. Like it, it had a sort of welcoming energy that I enjoyed, even though I think it's probably a failure. I can understand why. Tara, would you say this is a Poppy Fields movie for you? Yeah, I I would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I, I understand how this becomes a Poppy Fields movie. It won't be one for me, but like, I, I don't know. Something about it works, even though most things about it don't work. I think a huge stumbling block for me is that this kind of feels like, what if a Hallmark movie had an associate's degree? I mean, it just... It's sort of like it's it's all the same vibes, but with just way better performers and and production values. But it's throwing all these feints, you know, in the same sort of directions. And I was just going like, so you did that, huh? Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, a movie that very early on shows Robert Duvall in a rather tight pair of jawed furs clearly (laughs) is not suffering on the face of it from a failure of nerve. And yet I I feel like there were a lot of things that they just didn't do all the way, if, if that makes any sense. And I also feel like at the time, this was seen as something of a departure for Julia Roberts. And I, I think we were all maybe supposed to stand back from that and not worry too much about bagatelles, like how much time we're spending in the horse ring (laughs) but i don't know um shall i get into some contemporary reviews that might shed some light sure all right here is mick lasalle from the sf gate the rest of the supporting cast makes the most out of fairly lackluster parts quaid comes closest to triumphing as the straying husband playing him with warmth complexity and sorrow Less interesting are Robert Duvall as Roberts's father, a willful Southern patriarch, and Jenna Rollins as his compliant wife. Something to talk about never goes bad, though it does get corny in places and it hits a couple of dull patches near the finish. The last half hour contains two completely different scenes involving two completely different horseback riding contests, yet despite the braying insistence of the soundtrack, we'll get back to it, the audience doesn't care about either one. Yeah that's about where it is unfortunately some of these jumps are what are called in and outs and i i tried i tried to get to that joke and i just i've just come to read the meter good ebert meanwhile gave this three and a half stars saying quote this is an intelligent quirky human story that finds room not only for the remarkable expanse of julia roberts's character but also for several other well-developed characters, not least the two key men in her life, and even a patient lover whose patience is put to a much more severe test than his loving. Yeah, 3.5 seems high? I mean, this reminded me of um, walking and talking in some ways, 
but it, it, again, it didn't quite get there. Like it didn't commit, I felt. I think what I like about it is, again, as I said, I don't disagree with any, it's obviously flawed and I, the horse racing stuff is especially a who cares -er. I mean, this, <laughs> this seems to be the thing that, that is added to for world building purposes and, you know, to make you, it's the reason the Brett Cullen character is is there and mm-hmm. around, and it's also contributing to what we know about Wiley's arrogance <laughs> on top of everything else that contributes to his arrogance. Like, he just has a, a completely outsized idea of his abilities. That's the Robert Duvall character. But at the same time, if if it's not really the focus of the story, like, there's not enough of it to make you invest in the what is supposedly the climactic show at the end. Right. Like you forget even that this other guy is like that there's any stakes to him being in it. Like it's all of that is true. However, I think there are a few well-observed tiny moments through it that Mm -hmm. hook you in and the rest of the world building I think is effective. And, and a lot of that is to do with the performances of especially Kira Sedgwick, who I think is spectacular in this movie. I really love her and Julia Roberts' sister chemistry. I think uh-huh. they're great. And yep. um, the way that Jenna Rollins evolves over the course of the of the movie is good. And I, I think the women's auxiliary meetings, as corny as they are, they are also funny. <laughs> and I think yeah. the, the casting of all of those women is so precise that I like. I, I think the way they pay off is, is good. So... You know, is it corny overall? Yes. But I think some of it is earned and the ending gets there for me. There is one pair of women at the in the back at row. The back. <laughs> yeah. The women's yeah. auxiliary. It'll be in our visual aids, which you can see at Quaid and Full Pod on Twitter. And I captioned it me and Tara looking at Tori Spelling's Insta because (laughs) that. And then when the sisters are lounging on the couch with a giant bowl of popcorn and the dog, I captioned that one, me and Tara, the rest of the time because seriously. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Kira Sedgwick is a huge, amazing star in this movie. And uh, at the same time as you want more of her, it's like you can't or she'd just take over the movie. Maybe that is sort of what should have happened and it should have been more about them but there is one moment right after grace has sort of come back to camp out there for a while and figure her life out that she has with wiley that is like just this perfect like in medias race of their familial relationship Mm -hmm. moment um so here's clip two you get her all squared away yeah she'd be all right did you tell you what was going on? Just a fight. Eddie's fucking somebody else. Uh, for sure? Yep. Okay, see you at noon. Okay. <laughs> this exchange between um, a dad and, like, the daughter that he th- thinks of as more of a son, it's like, it's just, per- it's perfect. Mm-hmm. It's really perfect. Yeah, and then they'd like just keep walking on their separate paths like they just cross. It's it's well done. Like that's yeah. what I mean. It's stuff like that. There's another moment later when um she takes Grace to like a roadhouse and Grace is like completely falling apart, has gotten wasted and she uh she picks up a guy and she's Grace is talking the Julie Roberts character is talking to the Brett Cullen guy and and um 
Emma Ray's like curious that joy because he asks you know can you get home and then he says yes he'll get her home and then she stands behind grace and it's like just mimes cut her off she's had enough <laughs> this very obviously podcasting famously a visual medium but it's like the, one of my favorite moments and when i watched it again i was like realized i was waiting for it to happen because it's you know that's the stuff that makes the movie uh, yeah. which otherwise is very corny and hallmarky again Jeb's not yeah. wrong about that either. The, she also pulls off one of uh, the more sort of verite kicks in the nuts <laughs> of a mm-hmm. uh, film. Like it's not telegraphed and it's not all that slapsticky. Like a kick in the nuts is slapsticky, like not having nuts. I guess it's easy for us to be like, <laughs> you know, let, let me um, curate these kicks in the nuts, whatever. But um I thought that was well done by all, um, especially how fundamentally corny that is as yeah. a sort of, you know, choreographed film element. The nice payoff to that was when she's yanking him through the window when he tries to get in the middle of the night to see Grace. And he, she's like, you know, I wouldn't bother if, you know, you were, if you were a complete piece of shit, I wouldn't bother. Yeah. yeah. Which is that sort of like, well, I'll just heave this lummox in the window. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they, i mean i thought that was also good in terms of like how how siblings in law are with mm-hmm. each other and that familiarity felt right um yeah that you do did, feel that they have known each other like, yes their entire teen and adult lives yeah that it's like you know i'm on your side except i'm i'm not <laughs> it, until i'm not and i have to be on my sister's side so yeah so that was good. Less good, maybe less successful, was the soundtrack. <laughs> Jeb asked for a bunch of of clips and captioned them all. What the fuck is this music? In all caps. Now that's what I call music. Volume twenty has arrived. <laughs> Shall we just hear those clips, or do you have some? Sure. Let, let's hear the first clip, and then let's uh, let's let's all talk about you know kind of the process it took us through. Okay. So, uh, what's on the docket for today? Oh, Daddy's coming out to the barn. He wants to have a meeting with me and Hank about this Grand Prix. Before. Oh, you know, he just likes to grind us every year about this time. Makes him feel in control. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, this is like the second movie in three where we have had this kind of music within a minute. Like, it takes less than a minute for most Dennis Quaid movies, I would say now with confidence, to become fully operationally Zydeco adjacent. (laughs) Oh, Zydeco. Protecting (laughs) and serving with dance. Uh, yeah, I I think I didn't even notice that, but that is pretty that is pretty close to the undercover blues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, like they just went to ASCAP and they got like a bundle discount. <laughs> they just put that in the Quaid vault. Yeah. Just come back for the anyway, uh, whatever. I I mean, I, I think there's nothing to say about the second clip until we've heard it, because th- mm. that's a lot. So here's clip four. <laughs> I 
didn't notice this until you asked for it. And now it's like, what is this? Spy versus spy goes right. to Baton Rouge? Yeah. Like, what the hell? <laughs> the Pink Panther theme brought to you by the new wave. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, like, I guess it works. Kind of. It's just so capery. Like at any minute, he's going to like, you're going to hear him kind of clop off screen and then you're going to hear like a, and he's going to be suction cupping up the side of the house to get to the roof. (laughs) Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. Like what, what you're seeing in that uh, scene, famously official medium podcasting (laughs) is that Jenna Rollins has just slammed the door in his face um, because certain parallels between the, daughter's marriage and the mother's are becoming evident again in a fashion that can't be ignored and um this is played for laughs which i you know i guess that's the movie like grace also poisons eddie at one point and then he's so charming that she's like oh so by the way (laughs) we we conspired to poison you me and aunt ray so I mean, there might be some tone problems there and the music is not helping. Here is clip five. (laughs) Welcome to the show jumping ring, ladies and gentlemen. Is that enough? Can I stop? Oh God! I mean, it it, <laughs> it goes on like that. It, it there's a weird like Shawshanky thing happening there also. That yeah, it's 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 a little Bolero. It's the length of Bolero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For what it is worth, I did not look this up until these clips d- drew this to my attention. The credited <laughs> composers for this film. Art Hans Zimmer, fresh off an Oscar win for The Lion King. Sure. And uh, something called a Graham Prescott, heretofore unknown to me, but whose SpongeBob and Ren and Stimpy credits probably explain a lot about that middle mm. clip that we just heard, I think. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. But uh, I have to say, I did not, I did not notice it, and I... I have to turn in my Zydeco cop badge because I did not spot <laughs> the Zydeco adjacents <laughs> until it was pointed out. So I guess we should try to rate this bad boy unless we have any other overarching comments. But, you know, I don't really have much else to say. Like, there's a bunch of component parts that kind of don't exactly work. And yet, at the end of it, I felt vaguely positive towards it. Yeah, it's very watchable. Yeah. Like it's dumb, but it's it's not I would say in my opinion, obviously I'm I I'm the outlier here. I liked it more than either of you guys did. But it it holds together in some ineffable way despite the uh fundamental sort of should this have happened? Maybe not. <laughs> Quality <Yeah. laughs> like yeah. it doesn't it's it's not unpleasant to uh to experience. At least it wasn't for me. It, exactly. Yeah. And I think Julia Roberts is maybe not quite correctly cast, but she's a gamer. And given that, you know, this whole story should have really been about Kira Sedgwick, that everybody did the best they could with that. So I'm going to say a six. 
I'm not, I don't need to see it again, but I'm not mad. Tara? Uh, I'll say seven for okay. for my lingering fondness, starting from when I was, you know, dumber and less experienced and watched this originally in the theater as a much, much younger person. And I'll just add, when, the reason this was a departure for Julia Roberts is that I think looking back on her IMDb, this was her first time playing a mother. So this, right. was, this was a big, big deal for her career-wise. Right. Jeb, you got a number for us? For me, it's it's pure replacement level. So five. I mean, for every minute where you're like, I really appreciate that they decided that when Dennis Quaid vomits, he's going to make a noise like Tom Waits with intestinal blockage. Like that was good. But then like the ADR in every other part of this movie is just sort of like, well, any noise can come from anywhere and be about anything. Or, you know, like all the bits that we were talking about earlier, like the sort of morning Ralph, morning Sam thing of Kira Sedgwick and uh, Robert Duvall, like for as lived in as that is, like the whole plot of this movie is like, so why did you cheat on me? Well, I never talked to you about being annoyed or upset. Mm. I was just like, there's there's a problem in my marriage and I probably just got to go straight to adultery. And and you're like, that's okay. You know, like you get a Moppet in the movie and like within 60 seconds, she is like five out of five on the Moppet tone scale. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then you end it with like, I really hope this girl can make it to the top of, I don't know, precious tot horse jumpery or something. (laughs) It's just, you know, like it it giveth and it taketh away. Well, look, this was her last credit as an actor. So she knew she agreed with you and she quit. So yeah. there you go. She it's wasn't her bad. fault. I'm just, I'm just saying she she has retired from the business. Yeah, as movie kids go, she was I mean, she wasn't Dazzy, but who is? <laughs> <laughs> Dazzy callback. <laughs> How many of those? I ask you. Angel deep cuts. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Let us turn then to Quaid Qua Quaid first. Uh, again, not Famously a visual medium, but this will be in the visual aids several times. I have not seen a we had to reshoot this scene wig this bad since the end of some kind of wonderful. Mm -hmm. Oh, Dennis, why? Why? That wasn't just (laughs) me, right? It did look like someone had pulled a drain and stuck it to the back of his head. Yeah, it's bad. Awful. It's particularly noticeable in. I don't know, Jeb, if you saw this, the the guy from Gorp, Huddleston, is back. Whoa, no, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Hooligans, rapists. Oh, oh, right. No, yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I always think of him still as like, uh, you know, the big Lebowski. Yeah, like, sure. Yeah, he's Gorp. That's right. Sure. So going back to uh, Jeb's observation that it's like, something is wrong in our marriage. Let's go straight to adultery. Um, here is what is passing for the realistic dialogue where they're trying to work this work this stuff out. Um, I pulled this clip because I think Dennis Quaid is impressive in this scene. This is classic movie. This is never how anyone talks, but that's what movies are for is so that, you know, we have somewhere to go with the desire for people to talk to each other this way. Right. The classic movie dialogue in that style, which Dennis Quaid is delivering while, A, his character has to be increasingly horribly nauseated, and B, as in most scenes with Julia Roberts, Dennis Quaid himself seems trepidatious to the point of sweating. That 
that could be because of our sponsor. Who could say? (laughs) But here is uh, clip six, and I'm wondering if you guys agree that under the circumstances, this is pretty impressive work from DQ. What happened to us? That's what I want to know. That's what I've been wanting to know for a long time. If you don't love me, I wish you'd just go ahead and say so. I know I'm a disappointment, all right? I'm a disappointment to myself. You think this is what I want to be? I've done exactly what's been expected of me all my life. I work for my father, for God's sake. So do you. I mean, look at us. We both turned into exactly what we swore we'd never become. I mean, we used to like each other. We used to make each other laugh. It used to be so easy. You know, whatever happened to Sunday under the covers and dancing in the den after Caroline had gone to bed, making love after two hours sleep. Whatever happened to you wanting me? Ah, yes, it's your fault. I cheated (laughs) on you. You didn't want me enough. Fuck off. If you'd only been hornier. Oh, God. But, I mean, given that he really does sound like he's about to barf, whether that's the character being about to barf or Dennis Quaid being anxiously about to barf. Right. Because he's he's carrying this scene because he cheated on America's Sweetheart. It works. He this is really a pretty thankless role in which we both have to somehow be on his we have to be on her side. But then we also have to be on her side in terms of like trying to take him back. And it's a pretty thin tightrope. And I think he stays up on it. Yeah, I also had that in my notes that his the the mix of his emotion with his nausea through this monologue (laughs) is like impressively well done and not somehow played for laughs until the very end. Like it's it, a tight, tight rope is exactly right. Um, yeah. I don't know how they pulled it off, but good job by him. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's because you guys are misreading the scene as a comic scene. This is actually a deeply suspenseful horror movie scene for people with IBS. This is like Okay, true. True. Like, I can just imagine seeing this in the theater and being the sort of person who's like, I'm not I'm not at home. I need to be near a familiar toilet. This is uncomfortable. <laughs> just, he really does not look happy. And it's like, that's a that's a guy who had a lot of hot wings. Yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. He knows. He's that's method. That, that is the ring of fire <laughs> for sure. <laughs> But I don't know how, I don't know how quady you guys think this is, but I think this is pretty, pretty quady. I think this is like Tuck Pendleton works on a horse farm with his wife, basically. Um, he's a scamp. There isn't much, there isn't much rakish grinning compared to some other roles, but I think this is pretty solidly down the center quade lane. I think. Well, he doesn't work at the horse farm. He's in real estate or something. Oh, right. Yeah, but there's some. Okay. Yeah. There's There's some some deal that's happening. They're like in. They're they're hand in hand, but yeah, not directly. But yes, horse real estate. Century MacGuffin has to do some deal with (laughs) Wiley. That's right. Yeah. Er, Earlier on, we find out that Eddie's nickname in college was Hound Dog. It's like, of course it was. Like, obviously. (laughs) So. 
The other thing that he has to convince us of is that he was appealing to her, the someone who then and now is clearly like a type A super uptight freak who startles when anyone comes at her. It's like yeah. she's always screaming and because yeah. she's, you know, he's sneaking up on her. So she says or whatever. She's and like Andrea Zuckerman. Yeah. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I buy that. And, you know, the big payoff for all of this is that they at the end after the horse, whatever, <laughs> the horse business, the horseness, yeah, the the horsey show at the end, <laughs> there's a big party at at the ranch and um, everyone is talking about how they're breaking up. And so he pulls her onto the dance floor and they do like a big, you know, showy dance together the way they used to and like i I buy that too like they they sell their chemistry you can see the people that they used to be as well as how it curdled because they got together when they were too young and they didn't know how to be in a relationship with each other like yes you're right that monologue writing is bad and like our marriage would still be fine if you were hornier which you know if he was hound dog then he's hound dog now i probably (laughs) still think like i you know Even if he fix everything for now, I don't know if it's going to last forever. But I do believe that they didn't know how to get through their issues and talk to each other. I, I believe that part of it. Yeah. I mean, she's very convincing in that scene. I had my notes were like, oh, great. Dancing is a way of life again. Fantastic. <laughs> but then at, over the course of it, they did convince me. They're both mm-hmm. very good in that scene. They're choreographed well. They I mean, they sell it and this, you know, you can also see her like at first she's fighting it and then she's doing it sort of as a valediction of their relationship, which I think in that scene she's like, and I think she calls it a fitting end that she's like, okay. Yes, she does. Yeah. So I I think she's not written quite right, but Julia Roberts is great in this and he is, he is pretty good too. You can at times see him struggling to like be good enough for what he thinks this movie is, but mm-hmm. he, he is good and he is pretty quady. Like this is a, what I think of as a very quady character. So yep. I'm going to give him an eight and a half. That's a yeah. little high for me. So like, I think, I mean, I agree. He's doing a, he's doing more quady than, than the average. And this is definitely right down the kind of quade fairway, but he's <laughs> only, you know, if you take out the dance, I think a lot of the the charisma and the sales on these two is really being into each other goes away. And so I don't know if you really, I mean, yeah, you got to give him part of that, but part of that's just like, well, it's the dance is telling you, you know, like this, we we're just getting a, a chunk of emotional exposition here. And other than that, you only get that one like gastric distress scene really <laughs> to sell like this guy can charm past anything. So I don't know. I'd like, I've, I'm still saying it's it's pretty good. It's I think a seven, but I'm not mm-hmm. like getting rounding the corner into heading toward ten the way I would with like inner space or something. Gotcha, Tara. You got a number for this one? I would think eight and a half too. This is I I think part of the quadiness is the lying. Um, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's a that's that's a piece of the quade pie, if you will. Um, and uh, you know that's part of the hound dog picture um, for me. So that to me, that part of it makes it quady as well. Mm. And especially given that in certain critical scenes, he is laboring under this <laughs> temporary ape drape that has been added to the back <laughs> of his head that is extremely, extremely obvious. Yeah, I mean, I've. I understand your your rationale 
Jeb, and there are a couple of scenes in which he maybe is being like, like the convincing part is coming from Julia Roberts and not from him, but mm-hmm. I, I still think it's an eight and a half. Sure. I just like the, the scene with the, um, the, the women's auxiliary where like, I didn't even bother looking for like the people of color in there. I was like, I'm too much of a pro to even check for that now, you know, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. just <laughs> given when this was filmed and where it's set. But, uh, I would have loved to have seen this, like, just to take a real sideways turn and, and be another, um, like Vince Gilligan DQ movie, where in this case, it's like Clyde Bruckman's cheating repose and Julia Roberts can touch anyone and find out when they've been unfaithful or when they will. And she just tells everyone. (laughs) (laughs) That was all. Yeah, I kind of wish he hadn't brought that up because that really and that could like cross over with the homecoming verse. Mm hmm. Mm. Yeah. Okay. We're going to be on hiatus for a little while, but next time on Quaid in Full, a whole new season, the slaying of Dragonheart and possibly a guest appearance from David T. Cole. <gasps> In the meantime, quit pushing that fish around on your plate and check out the show notes and follow the podcast on Twitter at Quaid in Full Pod. And like I said, you can get even more content at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Quaid in Full. Queen and Full is hosted by Sarah D. Bunting and Jeb Lund and edited by Jeb Lund. Don't subscribe yet? Put on your tightest jodfers and go sign up wherever you get your podcasts and rate and review Quaid and Full so other people can find it. Our guest has been Tara Ariano. Tara, where else can people find you? I'm on Twitter or Instagram at Tara Ariano, T-A-R-A-A-R-I-A-N-O. You can also hear me every Monday with Sarah D. Bunting on Again With This, the podcast that's currently about Melrose Place. Tuesdays on Listen to Sassy, a podcast about Sassy Magazine. And Wednesdays also with Sarah and the aforementioned David T. Cole on Extra Hot Great. It really is. Thanks for listening, guys. We will talk to you next time. Consider it a blow for your dignity. What is dignified about kicking somebody in the balls? Well, I feel better.